Hello and welcome to the Counterpress Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight is Josh Cacho to celebrate another El Trafico win. Josh, how you doing, man? I mean, how can things really go wrong in the city of LA today? So we have a you know win for you know in, against Carson, and then you have the Dodgers taking this one you know game game five. So you know again, it's a good day for sports. Yeah, yeah, all around good performances. Um, LAFC beating the Galaxy two uh, nil. Galaxy going down to ten men shortly after the start. I think it was like the twenty fifth minute, right? Gonzalez hauls down uh, Rossi just outside the box is kind of a confusing thing from what I gather. I wasn't able to watch the first half. I was driving back for my son's soccer tournament back home. Uh, But from what I gather, it was initially awarded as a penalty kick and Gonzalez got a yellow card and then it was switched to outside the box and therefore a red card. Yeah. I mean, clear. It was clear dog. So, right. Um, you know, and again, it was just a matter of whether or not the foul carry. You know, again, what they said is, what does a foul carry in the, into the eighteen yard box? And in that case, didn't. Rossi um, goes down. You know, probably about a foot just outside. And then um, and again, they couldn't do anything with the free kick. But again, that you know leaves the Galaxy with ten men. Why? Why they keep sticking with some of these center backs? I don't know. But again, I'm not complaining. So, um, but yeah, I mean. Just a stupid, stupid foul on, on the part of Gal- the Galaxy uh, defenders. But, I mean, again, there's a reason why they're competing for the wooden spoon. Yeah, and we are more than happy to send them in that direction. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I doubt Colorado, if they end up not playing their games, I don't see how it would be fair to give them the wooden spoon. Um I don't know what other what other competition do they have. I, I honestly don't spend a whole lot of time following that uh, that trophy, that non trophy. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's pretty much it. Um, I mean, the only other team that has, I guess, Salt Lake, Houston, and the Galaxy all have around the same amount of wins. Um, same thing with DC United and Cincinnati. So, I mean, Cincinnati's pretty bad. Um, you know, DC still hasn't found their footing in the post Wayne Rooney area. So, you know, we'll see. And then, you know, they just fired their coach. So, um, again, there's a lot of teams just trying to find their way through, through COVID times and these different things. Um, but again, now, you know, you kind of see LAFC find their footing, um, right, just the right, right time. And I think one of the interesting things is, you know, like I get, you almost get the feeling that they may be better off in, in their current position than they may have, previously just because again you know in in a time where home field only matters so much as the playing surface um you know obviously if you're going to a seattle or going to a a portland to have to play on the turf really though again without the crowds there and those types of things you know again advantage the advantage only means so much in those particular situations and so you wonder now with with vela making his, you know, his comeback tonight and some of these different things, does that just kind of get us right into place where we need to be heading into the, into the final stretch? I mean, that would definitely be the narrative, right? Is that he has just enough time to, to heat up again um, and kind of carry us right into the playoffs. And 
I think the most promising thing for me to see is that all the guys who were on international duty come back and they seem to be performing well. Uh, Mario seems to fit right in with the squad. I mean, I don't think he's looked out of place much at all, especially not in this match. Uh, a couple times during the last match, uh, possibly, but in this one, he seemed like he was just cleaning up everything that was that was happening. Uh, he looked good passing the ball. He, he was calm going back and, and winning the ball from defend, from attackers and then passing out of pressure. Um, so I, I think that I, I think the team is really starting to mesh at a good time. Uh, just a one quick admin note. I coached this soccer tournament all weekend. So my voice is, uh, a bit tired. So I'm going to be having Josh carry this show a little bit more than, than normal here. Um, Josh, did you see anything from the starting 11 today that you thought was really notable? I mean, obviously the return of Rossi and, <clears throat> and, um, Raito were were big, right? Because it gives us that threat that I think we've been lacking up top a little bit at times, and you saw it in a couple of the games that you know we just didn't have that edge. Um, but the one thing to me, especially in the game against the Galaxy, is that we didn't have a midfield that you know again that in these big in these games against the Galaxy, we've tended to turn over the ball like a ton in the midfield, and with that midfield three of Atuesta, Janela, and Sifu, who basically just had complete control and domination of that midfield. Again, the, the Galaxy did some weird stuff having played Sasha Kleschen as an eight, right, alongside uh, uh, alongside Jonah um, with Legette ahead, which you would have thought that, you know, that's usually Joe Corona's spot, especially if you're going to play a little bit more defensively. But you know, again, I'm not here to try and analyze what the galaxy are doing because obviously it's not nothing's really going well for them at this point um but on the part of lafc what you did really see is just their ability to control control the midfield not turn over the ball a ton um i think that's why you saw the galaxy's chances far and few between really because again if go back to previous games when they did have chances it was midfield trying to play through Ball bounces off one of their one of their their defensive midfielders. Ricochets back, heads back towards Pavone. Now he's off to the races, and then Zlatan's ahead. Right this time again, because you you have more instead of them trying trying to play the through ball, you have them being more tidy on the ball through the midfield, and and you have you know again more of that just pure link up play. Um, and again, you just see the passing rondos kind of come through, as opposed to them trying to hit like again basically having one of the eights get the ball, you know, whether it was K or, or blessing, you know, get the ball, try to make that turn and then try and play a through pass to Vela or to Rossi, you know, as they cut in from the wing. Again, didn't see a whole lot of that. You basically saw that middle buildup ball now spread out wide. And then the, then you started to see some of the overlaps because I think the big thing was that the, there was so much congestion in the middle of the park, right? That, you you again and this is what the galaxy have traditionally done right they kind of just sit in a back for a, a bank of four in the back make it really compact you know and again and make it really difficult for you to play through well what i think we saw different was sifu actually playing and and controlling the ball in the half space which now allows um rosi to just have these one-on-ones um you know and then at that point it's for him to giving him that decision to either 
you know, make a break for the baseline and cross one back into the middle of the park or cut it inside and, and make something happen. So again, it just gives, gave, there was just a little bit more options in terms of how they went about things, um, you know, when those two were on the field. Yeah. Yeah. And I, especially against a team that's going to, so galaxy going out of 10 men and the solution is, is essentially to go into like a four, four, one, I guess you could say with Pavone, just, you know, we're going to give it to you and see if you can make magic happen, which isn't the worst plan to have in the world. Uh, when you're down a man and you have somebody like Christian Pavone and the rest of the team is what it is. Um, but having a midfield that can be better on the ball, have better passing, and be able to unlock some some spaces a little bit more dangerously is really what you need against a bunker defense like that. So I do agree that having that midfield back was was key. Um, despite all of that, it still took a while for LAFC to break through. I don't remember what minute they scored the first goal in. Um, do you remember off the top of your head, Josh? Um, I want to say it was uh, in the 50-something minute. Was, was it that soon after half? Let's I believe here. so, because if you look at it, it was something like that, and then you had, you know, you carry the, their first half lead for, what, about 20 minutes, and Vela hits them. Oh, right yeah, immediate. 58th minute, yep. yeah. Yeah, I knew it was something all that line, because I think Musovsky came off at, like, 75, something okay. around yeah. there. Um, and so, again, you know, again, the... When you look at the again, kind of a weird situation, you know, if it if this was the EPL, you would have had them drawing geometry lines for about an hour and a half trying to figure out whether the ball went out of bounds, <laughs> you know. But in this case, right, it it we in the United States we stick with the what is it the NFL rules of the clear and obvious have to to overturn it, and I guess that's basically where they were at, right? Where you they didn't think it was clear and obvious, yeah. And um, at that point, you know, again. The, and I think someone had pointed out, and I think Taylor Coleman retweeted it, was that I think it was a Galaxy fan basically saying that, you know, like for as much as you know that it was a you know it's a it's a close call or whatever in that situation, right? You also basically had for the rest of that buildup, Galaxy players standing around complaining about the non-call, where someone could have easily stepped in, broken up a play, keep the ball out of bounds, and then go go complain, right? Yeah, I mean, the ball goes straight to the feet of Rossi and then straight ahead to Musovsky, and there's nobody at home. Yeah, but so. I mean, but how many times have you heard Galaxy fans, and I think, you know, it's our, our good friend Monty who had pointed out, right? The Galaxy fans like, oh, play to the whistle, right? So many of these weird situations that have happened yeah. over the years where we thought we, you know, we ended up with a foul that ended up to a turnover and now in a Galaxy goal, right? Well, there you go. Um, yep. You know, my, my boys, if I can jump in real quick on that, um, because again, it is, they do say it a lot, but my boys still talk about, I don't remember what match it was last year, but a ball was played over the top to Zlatan and he thought he was offside. So he just catches the ball and he gets whistled for a handball. I, I don't know if you remember this one, but I mean, my kids still talk about that one to this day. And they still think it's funny, like when we're out in the backyard playing soccer to like pretend that they are doing that. And like they they just clown on it like it was the greatest thing ever. Um, but yeah, you, you have to play to the whistle. Uh, it It is really bizarre to me that it created such a stir. I mean, it's probably because 
uh, Taylor Twelman and who was it, John Strong, on the uh, on the on the broadcast. They're talking a lot about how oh you can see grass in between, but they came back and cleaned it up later. But as we all know, or you're going to know now, uh, every beginner level ref knows that the ball has to be all the way over the line, and because balls are round, the bottom of the ball may be all the way over the line, and you may see some daylight in between the two. But it's it's where the side of the ball is at that time. So unless you have like a goal line camera or like the goal line technology um, that they use sometimes for like to determine if a if a goal has gone all the way in, then there's no way to tell from those angles at all. Uh, much less you know doing this funky geometry thing where you're just like putting a projection on the ball where you think the edge of the ball is. Um, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I, mean, uh, I think Mike Mike Beats may have said it best. He he was like, uh, "Let's stop the game for five or six hours to come to the conclusion that we can't tell." <laughs> like, just yeah, yeah. The call is going to be play on because, like you said, it's it's got to be clear and obvious. Yeah, I mean, again, and I think there's a few there's a few VAR guys who take that a little bit more to heart than others, right? And you know, again, it's if you again, if we're in we're we're in talking about the Premier League, you're probably still watching them draw, you know, some Microsoft Excel, or not Excel, but like some Microsoft Paint, you know, little <laughs> angle lines and stuff like that on there to try and figure out, is did this go through? And I'm like, okay. But again, in this case, you know, you get, you, it's just, it happens, right? We've, there's been weirder things that have happened. There's been weirder goals that have been scored. Um, you know, again, we've been on the short end of the stick you know, some of these calls from LAFC side that we did things that we thought may have not, you know, that have been a foul or whatever it may be. Again, it's it's sports, right? I mean, look at last night with the Dodgers. Weird things can happen in these big moments. And so, you know, again, it's just a matter of, you know, are you ready when the time comes? Okay. Just go with yeah. it. What else can you do? Yep. So shortly after that, a uh, bunch of subs come in. Palacios comes on. Blessing comes on. Uh, which I think his continued presence on the bench is, is starting to lead more and more people to believe that he's gone. I don't think that's the case at this point. I think Bob just f- has found something that works. And you and I have talked a lot about the fact that Sifuentes does exactly what everybody thinks Blessing does, only better. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, his his spot was going to be in jeopardy. El Munir's playing uh, fine at right back. Uh, I have some hesitation with him playing right back with Vela also on the on the right wing, uh, just because I, I think you need a true right footer over there to be able to play wide as well. But um, you've got a back line that you know looks like it's functioning right now, so don't change it up too much. But um, yeah, and then towards the end, Vela comes on and gets a goal. So. I don't think you could have asked for a whole lot more in this game. I mean, was there anything else you wanted to see, Josh? No, I mean, I think the when you look, you know, again, when you look at the scope of, of soccer as a whole, you know, across the world, and actually just professional sports in general, right? You know, what we're told to do is is to love these players and to love what they bring to the table, their work, their ethic, their, you know, their love for the, the badge, all these different things, right? And you know, Latif has definitely garnered, you know, that 
that level of respect from the fan base and those everything because again he's a guy that has constantly put in a put in a you know in a tough shift on a regular basis for each team but there are there is levels to talent you know and again it's it's one of those things where for as good as Latif has been and and, and is as a player right if you put Thiago Alcantara in our midfield he's not you know those guys, you know, Atuesta has not seen the field, right? In that sense, yeah, right, right. And he's our best, you know, he's probably one of the best pinfielders in the entire league, you know, let alone on our team, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, let's let's run that one down. I mean, who else? Nico Lodero is probably up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, end of analysis. <laughs> I yeah. maybe Alejandro Posuelo. Like, is Posuelo considered a, a midfielder, or is he? I mean, but even even like Ladero, right? They're more of the, the like that attacking ten, right? That right. kind of sit right. in the hole, make the turn, and then find find the open man, you know. As opposed to, right? Like again, do you have these guys who can play eight or six or or ten? You know, there aren't. There's only yeah. a few of them in the league. You know, Sifu is just one of those guys that is a, he's he's a true sixer at eight, right? Has probably done it his entire life as opposed to Latif, who's been a winger and then became a midfielder and then a right back and these different things and has filled in admirably and done those different things. But when you have a, when there's a reason why we were able to pick up, you know, Latif came through that, that draft process and we're having to go out and spend $3 million on Sifu. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, it's not to say that money, that price tag means everything because we've spent a lot of money on Andre Orta too, right? And that didn't necessarily work out. But, you know, I think it's the guy that Latif beat out, or to be fair, right, yep. in yep. last year. But, again, when you have guys that are now doing exactly what you want in the system, you know, again, I still think it's probably going to be a battle on that left-hand side between K when he's healthy and, and Janela, um, you know, because K does – does do a lot of good things, especially in the press. It gives you a little bit more of a physical presence, you know, and again, from a chemistry standpoint, you know, he, he tends to be one of those guys that you have to have on the field, um, especially the absence of guys like, you know, Jordan Harvey and Beta and so on and so forth, you know, those 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 veteran guys. Um, yeah, I mean, again, to me, it's just one of those things where I think as time goes on, again, we have to think we're only what, you know, into year three, right, of this of this franchise. When you look at the scope of world football, how many, t- you know, again, guys that you thought were irreplaceable, again, eventually fall to the wayside because, again, what is it? What do they say? Um, you know, father time is undefeated, right? So those yeah. things happen and you're right. going to find guys who are talented and can are going to step in and be able to just take take your job. And so again, it's 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 always that next man up philosophy, and I think sometimes when we we fall a little bit too far into the romanticism of having this team or that team that we love, and so on and so forth, and this player, right? We fail to realize that ultimately, when it comes down to right, your your only goal is to make sure that you're at is that you're winning games, and you're you're and you're finding the guys that are are the best qualified to do that again and, and the coaching staff has seen that on a regular basis and seems to have gone a different direction in terms of how how they're going to now you know how the again the starting the starting 11 kind of pans out 
Yeah, right. All right, man. Should we get into some questions here? Let's do it. All right. First one comes from Benjamin at LAFC Benjamin. He's got several here. I think uh, they go pretty deep, so it'd be good to take them kind of one by one as we go through. Have you seen an improvement in Pablo Cisniego when making decisions with his feet? Uh, I think you were talking about this during the game. Um, do, you have, do you have anything there? Yeah, I mean, so obviously the Dallas are down to 10 men, so it's not like they're pressing hard and pressing high, yeah. right? But what yeah. I did see a couple times was Cisniego receive a ball, played back to him. He receives it across his body and with his left foot plays it back out to Jordan Harvey. And that is, even under no pressure, is a big difference from what we've seen previous, which is usually like ball played back to him and then it's kickball, right? Let's yeah. just smash yeah. it as far as you possibly can and then hope that one of the midfielders can get ahead and, and you know, can get right. Like frequently it. not even waiting. Like it, we're just going to, we're just going to smash it away first time. Mm-hmm. And if I, if he does take a touch, it's in front of him and then he backs up and still clears it with his right. So, I mean, you're definitely right. If he's, you know, if he's receiving on the back foot and passing away with his non-dominant foot, that's, that is improvement. Um, I don't know that you're ever going to see, I mean, he's never going to look like Xavi out there, right? That's, that's not the level we're going to get to at this point in his career, but you can see improvements happen. Um, and, and again, to be fair, this is the time to do it, right? Like in a game where yeah, yeah. you're largely controlling possession, which is again, in major league soccer is a lot of the games that you're going to play where you're controlling possession. Um, because most teams just didn't want to park the bus. Right. Um, yeah, in these situations, you know, you're going to want the guy, you know, like you're, this is the time to kind of be, to step up and, okay, let's now work on it in the game situation, feel the speed, feel how quickly the, cl- the close downs are coming, know when to just clear it, right? Because even the best in the world who, who can play with their feet, you know, whether it's Ederson or Allison, I mean, again, it wasn't that long ago when Allison tried to, you know, hit a rainbow flick over one of the guys from Leicester and end up giving <laughs> giving up yeah. an easy goal, right? To start the game, you're like, okay, what do we just pay, you know, seventy five million pounds for? Um, but you know, again, sometimes it comes off, sometimes it doesn't. But what you really want is just that consistency. Again, are we expecting him to be one of those two guys? No. But when in a game where you know, again, you're you're you have sixty seventy five percent of possession, and there's not too heavy a press in terms from the, coming from the front, and they're not really trying to close down anyone. Can you work on being able to then when the ball cycles back to you, taking it across your body, playing with your left foot, just hit a nice easy pass out to the fullback, go for it. You know, again, because this is the time to do it. Because at some point you're going to have to do it under pressure, and every single time he takes that extra touch, it's a problem. Right. Yeah. In in some yeah. of these situations, um, because again, either he's not cycling fast enough for us to be able to break down a defense, or second, you know, he's going to get closed down and make a weird mistake, and then we're and get caught in no man's land, which has happened, you know, several times to our keepers over the years. Right. Uh, I wanted I wanted to get into one of the responses to Ben here. Uh, Al Hopkins comes in with a relevant response to this to this question. It looks like the team avoids playing to him as much as possible. They rather kick it out for a throw and then pass back to him. Regardless, I'm happy he's getting experience. You definitely see this that you know if if it's a ton of pressure that they're un, that they're facing, they often will just take a clearance and uh, defend the throw in. Um, but I, I'm with Al on this. Like I'm just like, and you kind of hit on it too, 
this is the best time to do this stuff is when you have a couple, I don't want to call them gimme games, but that's, I mean, kind of what you're looking at. It's just consistency for him. And that's, if he's ever going to improve, it's only going to happen under those conditions. So I'm, I'm glad to see the questions at least put to bed for now. Um, to the point where I, I don't know when we'll ever see Vermeer again if Cisniga continues to play like this. So, All right. Next one from Benjamin. Has Musavski moved up the depth chart at center forward over BWP? At first, I thought this was an easy question, and then I thought about it a little more, and now I'm kind of confused. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I think the issue is that, like, the way that this team plays has nothing to do with what our conventional thoughts of how most teams set up is, right? Like the way that most people talk about soccer and talk about a number nine and a number 10 and, you know, uh, uh, and your wingers and those different things is a far cry. It's a far cry and a huge difference from what we actually see on the field, which is this weird interchanging blob of forwards, right? Which is closer to what, Liverpool does and Manchester City, then it, you know, then it's going to be to, you know, again your four two three one with your target man up front, you know, um, you know, like what a Manchester United is playing at the moment, or some of these other teams that have, you know, these, you know, again more of a classy or you know, again for another team that's doing pretty well right now is Dortmund, right, where you have, you know, a big number nine in Holland mm-hmm. who can just kind of hold up play and do a bunch of different stuff. And then you have these wingers and attacking midfielders that kind of just are there to, to uh, what's it called, to kind of unlock the defense in different ways um, versus in our setup, right? It's, it's these three forwards that move around and, and, and cut underneath each other and are fluid and do these crazy things and drop it to the midfield. And you'll see Rossi drop down. And then when Rossi drops down from the, you know, when he's on, on the left hand side, then you see, you know, Rodriguez make these, you know, like, well, you know, you'll, we'll, we'll flare out back out to that side from the middle of the park and then Vela makes the inside cut and so on and so forth. And yeah. So I, if I can, if I can jump in on that one, I think, I think you see it today in both goals where mm-hmm. Rossi comes into the midfield, right. And it springs Musovsky loose because all of a sudden everybody's marking Rossi in the midfield after the non-call. Uh, and Rossi plays Musovski in behind everybody. And then in the second goal, BWP comes over on the left wing, picks up the ball, drives at goal directly. And you, it's it's Rossi who's, made, who's going inside out and dragging that center back away, opening up space uh, for BWP to dribble into. And then you have essentially a two-on-one BWP and Carlos Vela against whichever center back. I don't know which one it was. And, uh, you know, I, like that ball's hitting the back of the net when it's two on one with those two. So, yeah, I mean, uh, what, there's been, there's been about four teams in the last, you know, five years that really perfected what this means, right? It's that Barcelona team with Messi, Suarez and Neymar, right? Yeah. Um, Manchester city's front three, Liverpool's front three. And then the other one that comes to mind is the Benzema Ronaldo combination, right? And then, 
whoever the heck. Oh, you're going to get hate for this. Right? And whoever the hell, <laughs> heck else is on the other side. It doesn't really matter. Right? It's usually You're going like, to get hate for bringing up Real Madrid. Right, but it's usually like Asensio or, or yeah, Isco. Right. No, you're of, absolutely right. Floating you're underneath it. Right. They rotate. They do different Marcelo things. comes up whenever he wants to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. and again, it, it's it's this, it's it's the, again, and the reason being is because when when you can put that kind of attacking pressure on teams, teams are are just terrified to try to come out and play, right? Occasionally it happens a couple times a year, right? You go and you play, you know, your Seattle's or you play your Galaxy, you know, for the most part, you know, when Galaxy, they come to play, you know, but what? The other 75% of the league is content to play, you know, three five two with the wing back sitting back and then just trying to hit on the counter, right? Be tough to break down and go from there. Mm-hmm. And so you have to come up with these, you know, three, you know, Four and five attacking, attacking players at any given time with, you know, two midfielders and two defense, you know, or three midfielders and two, two defenders back, right? It, it it's just the, the way that, again, you something you would think that you would see it less in MLS, but again, I think the history of U.S. soccer, is has been traditionally defensive leading, you know, again, it was that was always the the moniker, right? It was like they were hard to play against, right? When Bob was the coach and yeah, and yeah. so on and so forth, and and when Bruce Arena was a coach as well, right? They were just really annoying to play against because they were hard to break down and they hit you on the counter. Well, again, when when that is the when that is the pedigree or the you know of or what's another word to put it like, you know, where that's the you know the birth of or what we're looking at in terms the mold. of like the mold of the, of the style, right. It's going to come out and when some the rest of these teams. And so now that's why when you see some of these other teams play a little bit more free and attacking, it, it does look and feel a little bit strange and new, right. We're like, well, again, have, do other other fans of other teams not watch any other leagues because this is something that's been happening in Europe, you know, for forever. Right. And it, likely since, Johan Cruyff was in charge of Barcelona, right? And then obviously you have the the various mm-hmm. copycats of that as time goes on, um, or versions of it, or or disciples of it. And, you know, Bielsa is another person that you know some of these teams take a lot of, um, you know, in his in his Argentina teams, um, you know, that they take a lot of inspiration from. But really, you're looking at again this, you know, again, and you see in the NBA, right, the positionless football. Right. It's it's again it's probably overused and probably a little overwrought, you know, and probably a little um tacky, maybe is probably the, I don't know how you know whatever whatever word you want to use to describe how it's probably again not used correctly in to describe how things actually are. But again, the way that we typically think about positions and those type of things is much different from what we see. And again, to now wind up a really long explanation. Um, I think what they're looking for is basically you have now five attackers at your disposal that based on the situation, you can basically plug and play and get what you need, right? That's the goal is to have, right. you know, again, you, you start with your front three with, with likely Vela Rossi. I mean, long-term with Vela is probably not going to start for a while um, just as he, you know, plays his way in the fitness, but you're going to start with your, whoever your front three is, and then you're going to, depending on the situation, bring guys in accordingly, you know, who can do different things, right? You need a poacher, there's BWP for you. You know, you need a guy who can stretch the field, then there's Rossi for you. 
in the guy who's just in there to you know at the end of a game to try and finish a game off you know and you're you're into your 442 and you're just lobbing crosses into the box well Musovsky's going to do that much better you know it's going to get his head to the ball much better than one of our 5 foot set you know 5 foot 7 wingers is going to so yeah it gives you it just gives you a flexibility i don't think that we've had you know again that we've tried to find in guys like Christian Ramirez in the past you know Dio was that guy for a little bit you know for a while there um but again, you know, like I said, you, it's hard, you know, to argue with the bird. You know, again, as much as it, he seemed like an afterthought signing when the season started, it's hard to argue with his production, right? So I definitely think that there's something there. Whether or not he's usurped BWP, that may be, a, you know, again, maybe a bridge too far in the sense that I, th- I think Bob still has a plan. And again, there's a time and a place for both of them to make an impact. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's kind of weird I, if you were to ask me who their top number nine is, I would still tell you BWP, even if that means Musovsky starting and playing 60 minutes every single game and BWP is coming in for 30. Like that, It seems really counterintuitive, but I mean, I think they're comfortable enough with, with Musovsky to start and uh, produce uh, produce enough. And I mean, clearly he has, uh, he's, a, he's not, he's not going to give you the athleticism of Christian Ramirez or, um, but I mean, he's not missing all these sitters, right? He's actually putting them in the back of the net. So it, like you said, it's hard to argue with. Yeah. I mean, and again, um, we've never counted on a number nine to actually put the ball in the back of the net, right? right. We set records without a true quote unquote true number nine, right? You see. Liverpool wrecking the world without a quote-unquote true number nine. Right? Roberto mm-hmm. Firmino is not, you know, your back-to-the-basket, you know, Erling Holland, Zlatan type of number nine. But they score, you know, what did they still scored, you know, between their front three, they still scored like 60-something goals or something stupid like that. Right? Yeah. So, you know, again, was, was Suarez a quote-unquote true number nine? I don't know. Didn't, I mean, a lot of times he didn't pop up on that left hand side and put in goals on the back post, right? Where while Neymar's cutting underneath, you know. So again, it, it, I think the semantics we get often caught up in the semantics without true without understanding. It's like there's just attackers and then there's defenders, <laughs> you know. I yeah, think it's kind I, of the thought. Sometimes maybe maybe this analogy or this anecdote I should say will will help. Um. Soccer parents are notoriously difficult to deal with because they want the best for their child. I want the best for their team uh, for, you know, the team, I should say. Uh, I want the best for the best possible for each individual kid out there. Um, But sometimes they can be really difficult in not understanding what you're trying to do. And the more that I coach kids, the more that I see positions on the field as they're just all midfielders. (laughs) Like I just expect them all to be midfielders regardless of where they actually stand on the field. If that makes any sense. And yeah, I would like the guys who play on the wings um, to potentially have a little bit more ability one-on-one so they can run at a fullback and send in a cross. Uh, I would like the, like you, like we've said before, the quote unquote number nine to have a little more quality shooting the ball with both feet. But for the most part, my number nines, like I expect them to have their back to goal and to be passing the ball around. Uh, so it's 
that's kind of how I explain it to parents. And, you know, a kid will play forward one week and then the next week he'll be playing center back and parents will complain like, oh, if, why is he playing defender t- uh, this week? You know, he, he scored three goals last week and now you've got him back there and he's just bored. It's like, look, the fact that he can play quality passes all the way out to the wings is the exact reason that he's there. And it's a similar, you know, it's a similar reason that he played, that he's a good striker because he can put, he can put power on the ball and keep it accurate. So like the, 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 all these skills are intertwined. Uh, And that goes back to, again, it's a lot, it's a certain philosophy. Most people seem to buy into this idea of total football. Um, But I mean, it certainly has its detractors too. And I think it's just something that you get more comfortable with the more, you watch the game and and really pay attention to those little things. I, I'm sure this isn't lost in our listeners. I think we have a very niche, like a very niche group of listeners that watch a lot of soccer. So I don't know. At this point, we're probably preaching the choir on that stuff. But um, anyway, uh, next one here is from Benjamin about uh, does El Munir frustrate you as much as me? I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time. Uh, I think he is a very left footed player who's playing on the right and, you know, on, on the at right fullback, which is a tough position to be in. We kind of talked about it earlier. Uh, he's always going to be looking to get on his left foot, much like Vela does. And I think the combination of those two lefties on that side could be detrimental. So uh, I, I tend to look at his decisions at right back, mostly through that lens of, you know, he's kind of one dimensional on that side. But again, he, how many clean sheets have we had this this year? And we got one today. Anything on that, Josh? Yeah, I mean, he's been playing well. He's been a part of the reason why we've been winning games. Um, again, it just compressed the field a little bit. And we've talked about it in past episodes. But at the end of the day, right, it's about, it's about results, and that's what we're getting at the moment. Long term, yeah. is he going to be there? Probably not. But I think we're likely to see Blackman work his way back out to the right, um, alongside Mario and and Segura, and then again probably Cheeky or Harvey, depending on the game. But again, it, it it's hard to argue with the work you know the work that he puts in, and against the defender, he's been he's been great. Um, it's just again from an offensive perspective, it does narrow the field. Yeah. All right. Last question is from Pepe at just one, maybe one with Tristan black and our starting back uh, is our starting back for Tristan Mario Segura cheeky, or do you guys see Bob sticking with Munir right back for now? I could see that being the long-term um, solution long-term meaning like over the next three months. Uh, I, I don't know what, it, I mean, we kind of just talked about it, but I mean, it seems to be working for now, but it wouldn't surprise me to see Bob go back to it. Yeah, you. I think health is the biggest concern there, right? Just whether yeah. or not who's who's available, right? That and at this point, Munir has been healthy, so um, you know, again, black likely. I think that's what the the vision is, given the signings that they've made. Um, you know, but would be surprised to see Harvey and Munir still make appearances. Absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, has Janela done enough to solidify a starting spot in the midfield, or do we revert to blessing onto Weston Sifu? I think. I've said it several times. I think Blessing and, and Cifuentes are a bit redundant. Um, so I 
I'm comfortable with that midfield because I think Janela is growing into that kind of eight position more and more. I wouldn't be surprised to see Blessing and Sifuentes on at the same time, but um, it, it's just who know. I feel like I feel like who knows what we're doing at this point. Uh, so for me, the answer is Janela stays, but um, it won't surprise me if if Blessing comes back into the midfield. Yeah, I mean, time and the place and the opponent will matter a lot, you know, much like a lot of these things. Um, again, I think they're going to keep it close to the vest for the time being. So, Yeah, yeah. All right, Josh, anything else to get to tonight? Nope, that's it. All right, you can tweet at the show at counterpress underscore. You can tweet at me at Kirk Kinsey. Josh? LAC Josh on Twitter. All right, hopefully the next time we talk, we're talking about another LAFC victory and the Dodgers World Series. So we will talk to you then. All right, good night.